This is T.R. Sullivan with MLB.com, and you're listening to the Ranger Nation podcast. This is Sam Huff with the Texas Rangers, and you're listening to the Rangers Nation podcast. Welcome to Rangers Nation podcast, talking all things Texas Rangers. Rangers Nation podcast is a part of Dallas Sports Nation, providing coverage of all your DFW sports teams. Now, here's your host, Texas Rangers blogger, the Recliner Nerd. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Rangers Nation's podcast. Today's episode is the End of Season Awards. Yep, we're going to go to the End of Season Awards. I know 2020 was a bad year for the Texas Rangers. It's taken me a little while to get this together just because I needed to decompress from kind of long nights being out there. But you know what? There are players we need to talk about who was the MVP, best pitcher, best hitter, best defender, uh, that kind of a thing. And we're going to go to all of that right after this. This is Sheridan Apostle from the Texas Rangers, and you're listening to Rangers Nation Podcast. This is manager Chris Woodward from the Texas Rangers. You're listening to the Rangers Nation Podcast. All right, and welcome to Rangers Nation's Podcast, and today's episode is End of Season Awards. Yeah, we're going to do the end of season awards. I wanted to get to it. I put this out on Twitter earlier, a list of what we were going to do. Um, I want to continue that and go into my own. A lot of you had a good choices. Some of you picked my choices. You may be surprised by some that I picked. But we want to do end of season awards. But first, let's kind of get to the end of the season and, and why we're doing this. It took me, I know the season's been over. We've already been through the AL wildcard. We've been through the ALDS. Now we're getting into the ALCS and NLCS. Um, I haven't put one together since then. I didn't. I just kind of needed to decompress. I watched the playoffs. Um, bad season. Went to a lot of games this year. Um, it just long nights of being out there. Kind of hard to watch some of the baseball that was out there. Saw good things. Saw bad things. Saw a lot of things that uh, that I wanted to get to here, but I needed a little time to decompress and and, and do that. So we're going to get to that right now, but I wanted to talk about the season and my overall thoughts of the season. So my my when you look at it, my overall thoughts, I mean, look, this is one of the worst seasons in the history of the Texas Rangers. 1985 comes to mind. That was a pretty bad. you got to look at winning percentages because you can't look at record because they only played 60 games, right? So when you're looking at winning percentages, that really says a lot. And uh, this was – basically the lowest one ever they are going to get the second pick out of the draft there's a lot of talk of who that's going to be um, going into it but you know you got to give COVID a little bit of the blame so I'm not going to say it was the worst season ever it is definitely in the top five I think Adam Jones from Lone Star Ball put that out about top five uh, worst seasons and, and it is in the top five in my opinion but is it the worst one ever um, I, you know you you, you got to give a little bit of uh a little bit of the issue has to go with, with COVID. And COVID, there were injuries. There was this weird thing where there were no minor leagues. You had this other field, the alternative site, where players were playing. You had stuff like that going on, which didn't lead to, you know, it, it didn't make it normal. You have, you have your 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 big off-season acquisition, pitches one inning, three up, three down, and then – walks off the field and doesn't come back and we don't see him the rest of the year they're not going to pick up the option obviously they've talked about that and uh the season kind of 
corn rolled out. I just kind of went downhill, started rolling downhill from there. Mike Miner wasn't the same person. Uh, they traded him, got uh, got a couple of prospects out of that. We'll talk about who they got for that. But um, I want to go into awards, and you got to go into awards and look in who you're going to pick. Um, you know, for the for the Rangers in the awards, going with what was here. I mean, it's tough to pick in a year like this, but you you do have to go through it. So when I made my list of, of kind of doing what to do, I said, here's my list. I've got the MVP, the best pitcher, the best hitter, the best defender, the best rookie. Um, and rookie is subjective. You know, some people put out Jose Trevino, which could possibly have that rookie status, but we saw him last year. I'm kind of looking for people that, that made their major league debut. What was the biggest disappointment and what was the biggest surprise? Actually, surprise comes first. What, what surprised me? Was there anybody surprised me? What was the biggest di- disappointment? And also, who do I think is gone? And that's what we're going to go into and, and go down each one. And I put that out. A lot of you had your own opinions. Um, but uh, going into the MVP selection, I mean, I think there's there's one clear cut, I think, that everybody kind of chose and, and that I chose, but th- not necessarily. There it, it, I'm not a big guy that thinks that a pitcher can be an MVP. Uh, I'm just not that guy. I'm not really that guy that thinks just because they only pitch every fifth day. But in a, in the case of the Texas Rangers and what they dealt with, there was one pitcher that was has to be put into that category. And everyone knows we're talking about Lance Lynn and the numbers he puts up this year. But I, you know, I, I don't go with a pitcher. I go with a player. And if you're going to go to a player, then you go to the player that leads in most categories. And that was you know he led in average, led in runs, led in uh, on base percentage, led in. Uh, OPS, led in hits. I mean, uh, he had the most triples, uh, you know, also had the most at-bats. Also, but you didn't know that he had the most at-bats this year. But he also got caught stealing more than anybody, which meant he was being aggressive. And I think everyone knows it's our big Hawaiian, our Hawaiian man, uh, Hawaii Favo there, Isaiah Kainer-Falifa. Isaiah Kainer-Falifa, this guy, you know, look, he coming into spring training. If you never met this guy, I've met Isaiah talked to Isaiah a few times I've got him you know he's plugged the, the podcast he's been on we talked about life in Hawaii how he grew up and did that this is one of the sweetest guys you'll ever meet so for him to do this is amazing but I, I really think that that when we saw him in the spring it, you go to the first when spring training first opened and there was no such thing as COVID he was he was far and away the best hitter at spring training and that just it, it, it you know and that happens you have guys that come in and they just kill the ball in spring training um, they're, they're, he, he had some power. He was, you know, all of that. But you're just wondering if that's going to translate to the regular season. Then COVID comes, stopped everything down, and COVID stops everything, and it quits. Everybody takes off. They bring back. They finally settle on 60 games when, you know, they're off for a couple of months trying to do that. They come back, and they start that uh, spring training too, which I, I like to call, you know, I like to call it uh, uh, not spring training, but but well, you just go back to spring training when they did it at the they did it there at the the ball the new ball field, and you could go out and they would play inter squad games. And they didn't play against other teams, and started doing that to finish up. And Isaiah just he just picked right up where he was. He picked right up where he was, hitting the ball with power, hitting the ball all over the field, and took that into the season. Earned the starting third base position to start out the season. 
uh, and he earned it. And Todd Solex, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Todd Frazier started at first base, and you couldn't help but do that with with, uh, with Isaiah Conifalifa. You couldn't argue that he, he didn't deserve to do that. Now he ended up playing all over the field, but he got 211 at bats this year. That was more than anybody. Let's see who came in second in that. And he got 211. Solak got 209, and Gallo had 193 at bats. So those were your top three that played the most during the season, got the most. Uh, got the most at bats, and Connor Felipe made the best of it. He ended up hitting 280. He had a 699 OPS. Um, where was he on home runs? So he had, I think he was down the line on on. Oh, he had three for the season. So that kind of didn't pick up where it was. Gallo obviously had 10 uh, coming out of that. But you got to give that to Isaiah Connor Felipe, and this guy solidified himself. If he's not the starting third baseman next year, depending on what happens, he'll he's the starter right now. Um, but if if uh, something happens with Elvis, who they've already said that that he is not guaranteed the shortstop position, uh, Isaiah easily moves over to the shortstop position with a new third baseman coming up. Josh Young has apparently done amazing things. The alternative site, he's now in the instructional falling, um, you know, and we're trying to pull numbers out of there. It's hard to get numbers out of there. They don't put up box scores and things like that. But um, if Josh Young makes this team out of spring or comes up, then Isaiah can, can slide over to shortstop. But either way, he was the envy of this team, and uh, deservedly so. Congratulations, Isaiah. So that's a, that's a big deal. And from a guy to come out of kind of obscurity, come out of nowhere, to be, end up being the uh, – the MVP of a season, even if it's one of the worst seasons yet, Isaiah Conner Felifa was not picked to be anything but a super utility guy. They almost ruined him by trying to make him a catcher in 2019. Here he is again. Look at him, what he's doing now um, as a, you know, coming in and playing third base this year, a lot, mainly third base, but also shortstop. So the next category we went through after the MVP was going to be best hitter. I mean, best pitcher. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, there's no other way to, to do it, right? I mean, if, if you're going to go anywhere but this guy, then you have a lot of explaining to do. The best pitcher on the team and almost the, the, the best player on the team. Uh, in fact, he might have been the best player on the team, but like I said, I give MVPs to players that play every day. But uh, Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn, far and away, is the best uh, pitcher on the team. He had a 3.32 ERA. He won more games. He won six games. He had more strikeouts than anybody. He had 89 strikeouts. Um, he had a better whip than anyone. He had a 1.06 whip. He had batting average against. He was the best with 200, 206. It was the, the batting average against. He pitched more innings than anybody. He pitched 84 innings. In fact, the next best was Kyle Gibson with 67 innings. So, I mean, he pitched more more innings than anybody. Uh, game started. He started 13 games. That was more games than anybody that started. Uh, more complete games. He tied that, a complete game, with uh, him and uh, him and Kyle Gibson had a complete game. Uh, but uh, you know what? He also gave up more home runs than anybody. But that's because he was out there more than anybody. But this guy – he solidified what an ace is. This was a battler. Even when he didn't have his best stuff, he was refused to come out. He went six innings more than anybody in 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 there. He at least went five every start. I mean, this it was unbelievable what what Lance Lynn did, and in such a short season, everybody was ticked off that he didn't get traded at the deadline. And I understand the frustration with that. But look, this is a guy that could be the ace of the rotation next year, going into next year. I have a feeling he's going to get traded this off season. John Daniel alluded to the fact that there were still some ongoing tops after talk 
talks after the deadline and that he could possibly be moved this offseason, but they just need to finalize some deals, especially since the Rangers have, have basically said they're going to go ahead with young players for the future um, unless they extend Lance, and I don't think they will because I think they just want to get younger. Um, uh, and they've already got some commitment to Kyle Gibson and to Jordan Lyles. They're going to they're go ahead and try to trade him. But if not, if he comes back and he's the ace on this staff, that's great. There's no problem to have that guy rolling out there every five days to do that. But uh, so, you, you know, I, I would love to see Lance Lynn back. I doubt he is. I bet he's traded this offseason. But far and away, he is the best pitcher on this team. Congratulations, Lance, on being the best pitcher for – Practically the worst team in the Major League Baseball. But, yeah, you know, Lance had a fantastic year. Next category is the best hitter. Um, this one's kind of easy, too. I mean, you can go back and look at, at, at different people. But, look, when you're looking at the stats and what happens with the stats, I mean, Nick Solak ended up hitting 268, but but Connor Felipe ended up, you know, when he wasn't leading in a category – he was second in a lot of categories. I mean, for, you know, you Counter Felifa hit 280, Solak hits, hits 268. Counter Felifa had the most runs at 28, stolen bases. He was tied for stolen bases. Counter Felifa was tied with eight stolen bases with Leody Tavares. Um, so he's, he's got stolen bases. You got on base percentage. Counter Felifa had on base percentage. OPS, Counter Felifa was the highest. Hits, he had the more, more hits than anybody on the team. Uh, slugging, Joey Gallo had a 378 slugging percentage, which is low. Should have been better than that. Counter had 370 with only three home runs. Joey had 10. Um, so if you see where I'm going, once again, we're going, you know, to the big man from Hawaii, Pineapple Express, whatever you want to call him, Isaiah Counter Felifa. He's got to be your best hitter on the team. Once again, congratulations, Isaiah Counter-Falifa. But now we got to go into best defender. Well, best defender. Well, is it Isaiah Counter-Falifa again? Actually, you know what? There are two players on this team that played an outstanding defense, two of them. One of them was Isaiah Counter-Falifa. And honestly, in my opinion, there are two people that tied for the best defender on the team. One of them was Isaiah Counter-Falifa. The other one was Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo, with his arm in right field, stopped more runs than you want to Anyone even wants to admit, stop more players moving to third. But uh, Isaiah Counter-Falifa just did an outstanding job at both third base and shortstop when he played a lot of shortstop towards the end. Um, you know, so you, you, I don't want to do a tie. But honestly, both of them should be got, get consideration for Gold Glove. Uh, neither one will win a Gold Glove this year, but they should be considered for a Gold Glove, and I imagine they'll both be in the top three to five in that category, but uh, but they won't win it. Um if I had to go down to just one, I mean, Isaiah Counter-Falifa had five errors. Joey, Galli had, Joey Gallo had none. But that's deceiving because, you know, more balls were hit towards uh, Counter-Falifa. And an error also can be when you try to make a play out of a ball you shouldn't have got to. And uh, because of the range and what you're getting to, he was making plays on balls that that uh, that most of your third basemen and your shortstops can't make. Uh, Elvis has lost that that range there, and so I'm going to give the edge to Joey Gallo, and I want to give it to Gallo because look, Gallo is a future superstar in this league. I still believe that. I don't think this year was the aber. I mean, I, I think he's more inclined to what last year was. Um, I don't think he's a 270 hitter. I think he'll be a 250, 240 to 260 hitter at the best. But I do think his OPS and all of that, with people around him that that 
are a threat in a lineup, I think his his numbers become a lot better. But on defense, you can't question that arm in right field and what he adds. He's he's very agile for a guy that size. Um, I, I'm sorry. So I, I, you've got to go with 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 with, uh, with him on that and consider him. Now, Connor Felipe had an unbelievably wonderful uh, defensive year and was one of one of the best defenders at shortstop and third base. I believe, in my opinion. But he did it on a bad team. He's probably not going to win it, and he had the errors. And so in that case, even though he was far and away probably the best player on this team, I've got to go with Joey Gallo as the best defender on this team. Congratulations, Joey. And I know Joey's just more concerned than anything at what kind of award he got from the recliner nerd on the Ranger Nation podcast. But he did get the best defender on the team. And that's something bright to look forward to. And look, this guy has not lost his job. He's the starting right fielder. He's, I still believe, a future superstar on this team. So, congratulations, Joey. Now we're going to go to top rookie. Now, top rookie, this was pretty wild. A lot of you went a lot of different ways. And let me state my criteria. Because I, I saw a lot of you said Jonathan Hernandez. That's an easy choice, rookie of the year for him, uh, Jonathan Hernandez. Jonathan Hernandez made a major league debut last year. I'm, I'm wanting to go with the people that made their major league debut this year. When you're talking about making major league de- debut this year, a lot of you immediately went to obvious one um, with Leody Tavares. And Leody Tavares had a wonderful year this year. Don't get me wrong. He, I mean, he was fantastic. Uh, but uh, I didn't go with Leody Tavares. Look, Leody is also got to be considered for best defender of the year. Seeing him run around out in the outfield was amazing. I mean, this guy has speed you don't realize by the way he can glide over to a ball. Um, But there was one guy that came up, looked like he belonged, looked like he deserved to be here, and we had just a small taste of him. And uh, the sad thing is I don't think he's going to start out in the major leagues next year. But my rookie, best rookie that I saw this year was Sam Huff. Um, the numbers are astounding. I mean, Sam only played in 10 games. He had 20, 31 at-bats. Uh, Leody played in 33 games, 33 of the 60. So Sam only played in 10. Uh, Leody, um, you look at Leody, he had 119 at-bats, ended up hitting 227. He had a 703 OPS. Sam had 31 at-bats. Now, Leody had four home runs. Sam had three in 31 at-bats. I mean, yeah, three home runs. Sam ended up hitting 355 over those 31 at-bats. So, I mean, almost four times he was getting a hit four out of ten times and ended up with a 1.136 OPS. He was over 1,000 OPS. In fact, 1136 OPS. That's, I mean, that's amazing. And, yes, it's towards the end of the year, but he was playing against teams that were playing for positioning, playing against Houston, playing against, you know, he ended up playing at the, the end of the year against the A's. I mean, he was playing against teams that weren't just giving up. They still were vying for position for the playoffs, and Sam played well. Now, he struck out 11 times in 31 at-bats. I mean, that's something that can be worked on. But uh, he had three doubles, had 11 hits. Of those 11 hits, he had three doubles and three home runs. So five of them were singles. The rest of them were were for for power. That's why the OPS was so high. Um, You know, it's real easy to – Anderson Tejada had a good year too. He had three home runs. He ended up hitting 253. He's another one to look at. But, man, I'm sorry. Leody, he's going to be your everyday center fielder starting next year. There's without a doubt he'll start – unless something unforeseen happens, that's your center fielder starting the year. So there's no way that, 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 that he's not. But 
I got to tell you right now that the best rookie I saw on this team that looks like he could be the potential superstar that, that a lot of predicted is Sam Huff. I'm anxious to see Sam Huff next year. I'm anxious to see where he starts. He's if, at, at the worst, he'll start at AAA. They won't move him down to double. Maybe double. They might start him at double A just because it's close. They could bring him right up from there instead of bringing him over from Nashville if they play a minor league season. Sam Huff is the one that, that's the rookie to me. And I know he didn't get a big enough taste here, so he would be eligible to be a rookie next year. Hernandez was amazing. I did like Hernandez and what he did. Um, and there were some rookies that, that really did well and came up and showed a little bit. Anderson Tejada did a good job. Obviously, uh, Leote and what we've talked about all the way there. But Sam Huff is the one that impressed me. So I may be going against the grain from everyone else, but the numbers are eye-popping. You average those out another three, and probably the average drops down below 300. OPS probably goes down to, you know, maybe in the 850 to 950 at some point. He'll go through a stretch where he wasn't playing good if he'd have played 30, uh, 30 games like uh, Leoti did. But, uh, you know, the home runs, you got to take those and uh, triple those. So maybe you're looking at nine or ten home runs. Ten led the team uh, with Joey Gallo and uh, Rugi, who both had ten home runs. But, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the way it was. Uh, Sam Huff is legit, and um, he's – in my opinion, should be that he was the number one prospect, in my opinion, on this team. Josh Young, a lot of them talk about it and what he was just for his reputation, although he he apparently played amazing at the alternative side. But Sam Huff was my rookie of the year, and I don't apologize for it. That's who I think it was right there was Sam Huff. So congratulations, Sam. So the next one after that we had to go through was the biggest surprise. The biggest surprise, but man, this could go in so many different directions. So you could go biggest surprise by disappointment by somebody, uh, biggest, uh, but but that that category is there. Biggest disappointment. So biggest surprise has got to be who opened your eyes, who looked good, and and who was your biggest surprise. Well, one big surprise was obviously Sam Huff. Uh, one other big surprise was. Uh, that, that, that you had to go with was uh, Leodi. I mean, Leodi did not look overmatched. Yeah, his average wasn't quite where we wanted. He was he was a big surprise coming into this year. Uh, Mike Miner, you know, that he could be a big disappointment. Uh, but you could go – there's a lot of different ways to go on biggest surprise. Uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falifa, I think a lot of people thought that's a big surprise. That, that wasn't to me. Um, when I saw what I saw at spring training, I was at spring training, then I went to the uh, – to the new ballpark to watch the extended spring training they did when they got back right before the season started. He looked like the same. I expected him to be decent. I mean, he earned the spot he was in, so that wasn't a big surprise. I think, though, the biggest surprise for me, the person that came on for me that did something I didn't expect, uh, there were two, and one of them's going to out-edge one of them. One of them that was a big surprise was Brett Martin. Uh, Brett Martin ended up uh, getting in 15 games this year. He was hurt for a little bit, had 14 innings, uh, but and with 17 strikeouts, but ended up with an 8 point a 1.84 ERA, eight strikeouts, I'm sorry, a 1.84 ERA. He was good. He was really good this year. He came back. I, I always liked him last year. I gave him Rookie of the Year last year uh, for the Rangers. Um, coming, you know, he was a starter coming up through the minor leagues. Ended up uh, going to that bullpen and really just that he took over that role and took advantage of it and became amazing at that. But he was not the one that opened my eyes. Biggest surprise, biggest one that opened my eyes coming into next year was Kyle Cody. Um, 
look, that that was a forgotten name. Um, I had him on a top 20 list two years ago. He was with Tommy John surgery. He missed an entire season. Um, and coming back, we knew he was going to come back healthy this year. Was probably going to start somewhere like high A. Uh, hadn't been above high A ball yet. Probably going to start there and end in Frisco. We Obviously, there was a shot they thought he could get to the major leagues. Well thought of coming out of um, – uh, coming out of Kentucky, uh, where he where he pitched at, and uh, it's Kentucky, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Kentucky. He with the Kentucky Wildcats, yes. Um, but came out of Kentucky was highly thought of. Was was taken fairly early. I think that he, you know, I think he was he was taken in the fifth or sixth round. Let me look at that. sixth round. He's taking the sixth round. Uh, but but came in big guy. Guy, he's so big. He's six foot six. But what he did this year, coming in, look, the guy's got a, he's got a rotation spot next year. He will be in this rotation. He ended up with a one point five nine ERA. Started uh, five games, got in eight games, pitched twenty two innings. Um, you know, did not walk a lot. Walked thirteen, but I mean, something you want to control. He struck out eighteen in twenty two innings. But man, the ball moved so good. He, his pitches, he seemed to be getting control of them. Uh, all of that, but that's that guy right there was was touching you know mid to high nineties. Um, this guy right here, that's a guy that you got to watch. I, I think that that this could be a future top of the rotation guy, um, at least a three. You know, at least a three. I think. I mean, he showed some stuff out there. Now he's going to go through growing pains next year, but he was far and away the biggest surprise. And we got to talk biggest surprise uh, in the organization for me. It was really simple going with uh, Kyle Cody. So congratulations, Kyle. Kyle Cody, biggest surprise of the year. With that, then you got to go to biggest disappointment. Wow. This could go so many different ways. Joey Gallo was a huge disappointment. I mean, you've got Elvis Andrus was a big disappointment. Odor was once again a big disappointment, but that's not who we think it was. Mike Miner was a huge disappointment. Uh, did not pitch, but he started coming on there at the end. He actually pitched good for Oakland. Uh, I knew Mike Miner was there. It was a disappointment. wasn't the biggest disappointment uh, for there. There's all these different ways that and, and intangibles that could be thrown into, you know, who's a disappointment, what was a disappointment. Is it you know, the lack of power? Someone said the lack of power. That was a big disappointment. You know, and Joey was so far. I think, you know, I'm giving Joey a pass on biggest disappointment because I still think he's not that guy. I think it really played with his head. He was the only guy in the lineup known for power. He was kind of dependent on to get the power going. Um, and I think he felt that pressure, and then he felt like that ballpark was playing pretty long, and it kind of got in his head before he started seeing people like Huff hit the ball out of the park and all of that. And all of a sudden at the end, he started coming on with a few more home runs. I think he just needed to get it out of his head and get protected in the lineup. So I don't think Joey's that bad. If he was to do this again, he could easily win biggest disappointment. But I'm not I'm not going to lie to you. The biggest disappointment on this team was Nick Solak. And I, I think a lot of you are probably turning your heads and going, what? But Nick Solak, after what he did at the end of last year, was the biggest disappointment for me. Now, now numbers-wise, no. Obviously, he wasn't the worst. I mean, you could look at numbers-wise and go with a lot of different people. Joey Gallo, whose numbers were worse. You could look at people like, uh, you, you know, like Calhoun. Now, Calhoun was injured. He had a little bit of a head game going with that, getting nailed and breaking his jaw in spring training. So that, that obviously played into it. Uh, that that wasn't necessarily great. Robinson Trino was horrible. He, you know, he just was horrible at the plate and, and doing things like that. But the reason that, that I think Nick Solak was the biggest disappointment to me 
is I kind of thought Nick Solak would come in and solidify a position on this team, and he hasn't. And I know I proposed an idea through part of the season that if we could trade for Edwin Rios from from the Dodgers straight up for Nick Solak, who needed the Dodgers needed a little bit better pop at second base, and I was chastised for it. Yeah, how could you get rid of Nick Solak for Edwin Rios? And now I would make that trade 18 times over. I know Solak hit 268. His on-base percentage was low. He only had two home runs, didn't hit for power, struck out a lot. I mean, he just did not look – and more than anything, if you're going to – look, he, he put up okay numbers, something that would be okay in most regards, but he doesn't have a position. If you think he's the starting second baseman, he wasn't a good second baseman. He doesn't have the arm in left field. Um, I don't know where this guy is. If I were the Texas Rangers, a lot of you are going to just throw a fit when I say it. Nick Solak would be a part of a deal to trade this winner uh, for a better player. And that's who I would use as part of it, either the front line or as part of the deal as a throw-in. I don't see a position for Nick Solak on this team. I think they can upgrade all over the field, and Nick Solak would be better. He's not a good third baseman. He's an okay second baseman. He's not a good left fielder. He doesn't have an arm. His arm's no better than mine, I don't think. He doesn't hit well enough to solidify a position in this lineup. And... He really disappointed me, especially because so many – look, I defended him. Um, I thought he was – a you know, we would have fleeced the Dodgers had Nick Solak if, – if, if the Dodgers had taken my trade, Nick Solak straight up for Edwin, Edwin Wios, uh, we would have fleeced the Dodgers because he did not live up to the expectation of, of, of what he was. And, and he's not that good at second baseman. So, I mean, if you watch him turning two at second base – um, he's not near as good as Odor, and I don't want no Odor here anymore. And Odor needs to be gone. But uh, you know, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I am I am not impressed with Nick Solak right now, and I was sorely disappointed. I thought that you know everyone was ready. It's kind of what happened with Danny Santana. Everyone was ready to give Danny Santana. He should just be the second baseman. Then it was uh, Nick Solak's the second baseman because they everyone hates Odor so much. Those two guys are not good consistent major leaguers. Santana was horrible before he got hurt. He was he's in like 140 before he got hurt. He was horrible. He wasn't a great center fielder. He wasn't that great a second baseman. Uh, Santana had been let go by two teams. And, you know, you're looking at the trade now for, for, for Nick Solak, for Pete Fairbanks, who ended up a big part of the Tampa Bay Rays, and where they are now, they're in the ALCS, and Pete Fairbanks is going to be there. And now I'm not saying that the, the trade did well for both teams because at the time we needed a bat, and Solak came in and did well towards the end of the season. But, you know, that it's got to be consistent. And Nick Solak, if Nick Solak played outfield like Joey Gallo, that's why Joey Gallo is not as big a disappointment to me because of the outfield he played. Nick Solak is a horrible outfielder. He's not a good center fielder. He's not a good left fielder. He doesn't have the arm for either one. He's not a great second baseman. He doesn't turn the double play well. He, you know, he's a DH. He's a right-handed DH is what his best position is. Maybe fill in in some spots. That's disappointing. That's a big disappointment. And I hope that I'm wrong. I love to be wrong on a player because Nick Solak is a fantastic guy. He's fun to talk to. He, he, he really is. He's just a nice guy. Uh, and you really want to pull for him. You know he's giving it his best. But Nick Solak is just not it. And I'm sorry, that was the bis- biggest disappointment for me was Nick Solak. This is Nick Solak with the Texas Rangers. You're listening to the Rangers Nation podcast. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for the plug there. 
Um, and I'm sorry that I think you're such a disappointment, but that doesn't mean you can't prove me wrong. And you do have the ability to prove me wrong. So I hope you do. With that being said, we got to talk about who do I think is not going to be here next year. First of all, the the most obvious one that won't be here next year is Shin Shu Chu. Uh, Shin Shu Chu will be gone. Um, he's already a free agent. Um, look, he would be a great guy to have on as a as a veteran leadership. He was well worth the contract he had. He wasn't at first. A lot of people got down on on Chu the first couple of years. He had some injuries. He didn't perform anywhere near what he was performing uh, before uh, the Rangers signed him to the big deal. But he ended up being a great presence. He was a good leadoff hitter, had some pop, got on base a lot, just really good guy. I had some injuries this year, but he's 38 years old. And so, um, you know, I, I would love to have him here. But look, he says he thinks he still wants to play. If he doesn't retire and wants to play, why would he come play for a team that really has no shot of, you know, the best they could hope for might be third in the American League West, and that would be hopeful. More than likely they're going to end up at the bottom of the West or second to the bottom, depending on if the Angels, again, go out and sign overpay for somebody and don't get any pitching. But, um, you know, everybody seems to think that Trevor Bauer will go to the Angels, but I, I don't I don't know. Um, the, the the Angels have a lot to do also. But uh, he he's somebody – choose somebody that could end up in Oakland uh, uh, as a DH for Oakland, something like that, that, that would, he would fit in well there. Uh, he'd be something with the Dodgers coming off the bench and if the national league sticks, I don't think if they made that decision yet, whether they're going to stick with the DH. Um, so Chu is somebody I think for sure is going to be gone. Um, I also think, uh, Lance Lynn's going to be gone. I think Lance Lynn will be gone. I think they'll trade Lance Lynn. Um, that's another one that, that, uh, I think John Daniels and a couple of teams, there, there's a couple of teams that could use Lance Lynn. And if he's not their ace going, I tell you the twins or somebody that could use them. Um, that guy, uh, you know, he's played for the twins before. Um, you know, so that's somebody can use them. the Dodgers might, might be somebody looking to, to upgrade. So maybe a, a Lance Lynn Solak thing, uh, combo going over there, which I don't think Solak could go to the Dodgers, but anyway, uh, that's another one, uh, that, that might could use uh, Lance Lynn to, to just uh, put some uh, depth to that rotation. The Yankees might obviously be interested. They've had Lynn before. He didn't perform near as well. He's been performing now, but Lynn's a new pitcher. I mean, he, he is a workhorse. Uh, that's somebody who might be looking to, to trade for Lynn. Uh, so, and the Indians could, could, could probably do something, maybe the Reds. Uh, I don't know. There's a couple teams that could do Lance Lynn. I think that the Rangers will trade him just because of the fact what they're looking at. They're looking on uh, trying to go with basically a youth movement, and uh, Lynn's not signed past next year, so I doubt he stays on the team. Uh, so I, more than likely, I think Lynn will be, be moved. Another person that I think is not going to be here um, is, and this should make a lot of you very, very happy, but I don't think that Rugnet Odor is going to be here. Um, I don't know how, whether they cut bait. I don't know that they'll just necessarily cut bait. I can tell you he's not going to be the starting second baseman. Um, and uh, I just – I don't even think he's the starting second baseman. Even if he goes into – they don't move him at all. They go into uh, the offseason and uh, they can't move him. They take him into spring. He has a good spring and whatever. I still don't think they trust him enough to make him the second baseman. So I don't think he will be the second baseman. They're going to move on and try to find someone to play second base. He's more likely a candidate to get moved for another bad contract or they may just cut him loose. Um, but I tell you, there's some teams, and look, if, they, if, we, if, if, the, if the Rangers made a trade with Odor with a bad contract, someone like Uvalde, uh, something like that with Boston, maybe move him up there, and, and Odor was to become an all-star. Good for him. Look, it's not working here. 
I don't care what anyone says. It's not working here. So good for him. I hope it happens for him. He's not a bad guy. I know he comes across as cocky and arrogant and all of that, but he's really not that bad a guy. And he just he just isn't working here. The fans are off on him. They're all down on him. Doesn't matter what he did. Unless he hit 600 with 84 home runs and was the runaway MVP, he's not going to win back the Ranger fans. And even me, he's, he's not in my, you know, I think I've seen enough. So he's likely gone next year. Uh, so I, I have a feeling that we're not going to see Rumet Odor. Elvis Andrus, the wild card. Somebody might want Elvis. Um, he might be an upgrade at shortstop for a team. Uh, it's a big contract to take on. It could be another swap also. But Elvis is more than likely going to have to move positions or because he doesn't have the range at shortstop anymore. He doesn't. Maybe he could move over to third base if the Rangers don't upgrade there. Uh, they still owe him for a couple more years, but that would be hard to see. But anyway, that's that's the end-of-season awards. That's the, the last question I asked of who I thought wouldn't be here. Once again, we're going to wind this thing down. I'll probably put some of these out every once in a while when winter meetings come up and other things happen. We'll come on and do one. It's obviously not going to be a weekly thing. I haven't done one in a few weeks since the end of the season. This year has been fun. I appreciate everybody that listened, everyone that, that came on the show and did that. Uh, like I say at the end of every one of these and after everything I write, nerd out. See you in 2021.